This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. Hi, everyone. Welcome into the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Daniel Sellerson alongside Cindy Robinson. We've made it to the weekend. Happy Mardi Gras, everyone. Whew. It's been fun so far, huh? Yeah, I'm excited. This is my first Mardi Gras. So I went to Muses last night, my first parade. What'd you think? I was in shock and awe. Like, yeah. the floats are amazing. And the, to think that people are making these, I'm, I'm in shock. I'm from California. We don't, I mean, besides Rose Bowl Parade, which is pretty big, but like, you know, that's the one thing in Disneyland parades. <laughs> like, I've never really experienced anything like it. Did you have expectations going into it, or did you not know anything about what you were about to see, and then you're like, wow, I can't believe this? I wasn't sure. Like, I hear everyone telling me different things, and I was trying to envision it, but I just kept thinking, the streets are so small. Is it going to be as huge as they're saying? And it was. So I was like, cool. This is exciting. I had a great time. Couldn't wait to catch beads. Got a, I, I think I stacked up for my first time. Yeah. I was didn't catch a shoe though. I was a little disappointed about that. See, that's that's the that's the big one to catch for muses. My wife got one last year. We were not able to get one this year, but there's still a lot more parades to go. You can catch a coconut for Zulu and other things like that. Now I've heard some things about this coconut okay. and I've heard uh, a few people have gotten hit. Yes, um, you have to be careful. I don't know if I want to be a part of that one. Can I watch from afar? You sure then, can. Because I mean, I don't know if I'm trying to deal with concussions and stuff. I no. have a job to do. <laughs> we don't. We have enough injuries uh, right now. We don't need to deal with any more. That's for sure. Right. Um, there was an Anthony Davis float. There. W oh, there was. Yes, there was, and they had the. <laughs> they had like this feathers or something right. for the eyebrows. But it was very festive and in good fun. It was and, cool. Yeah. And they had a Saints float as well. I yes. think a, a few floats before that. So the Saints and Pelicans were well represented. But you still have a whole weekend now of parades to go to. You ready to go? Can I, you handle you know, it? I'm a little nervous because the weather, it's supposed to storm. And I don't know if I want to be soaking wet enjoying floats. But hopefully it's not as bad as they expect it to be and the floats still go. Yeah. Because I want to see and Demian and Bacchus, all the ones everyone's talking about, I'm excited to see. I'm sure maybe it'll dabble in a little bit of rain and maybe it'll be a break in it where you can see right. a little bit. But uh, nonetheless, it should be a great weekend for everyone. Hope everyone stays safe and dry. And we do have a lot of things to talk about on today's show as the Pelicans begin a three-game road trip tonight in Philadelphia against the Sixers, the Mardi Gras road trip as they do every year. It'll take them to Philly, Brooklyn, and Detroit Friday, Saturday, and Monday. This is a big road trip, Cindy, for the Pelicans especially since they haven't played since Monday due to that wacky rain out. Yeah, definitely. They are for sure probably going to – I wouldn't say rusty, you know, but it's probably going to be like let's dust the – Yeah, know, first few get, minutes might be a little rough. Yeah, yeah. But I think they're excited to play too because of the rain out. The rain out had – especially we talked to DeAndre Liggins. It was going to be his first start, mm -hmm. and he was excited to play because it had been a while. He had played, you know, after the 10-day contract. He was out for a little bit. but. Yep. He's excited to play, and I'm excited to see him start. He, he brings some good energy to the team, so hopefully that will translate and get everyone going. It'll be exactly what they need to get going. Um, yeah, the, I, I think more than anything, they've been playing well on the road, and they need some wins for that confidence going into the All-Star break. We have to get better at home for sure, but yeah. right now the focus is on these three games, and hopefully they do well, like I said, going to a positive note into the All-Star break because that's going to be another – long you know moment where they were not playing basketball right. besides, besides AD, AD will get a little time yeah. in at all-star game exactly but 
everybody else, you know. Right. We'll take a two-in-one road trip. I think that's a nice goal to have on the road See, trip. See, I like to go for the gold. I want all three. Well, I'm, I would love I'm all greedy. three. <laughs> but it's also tough to win three straight games on it the road, is. especially in a back-to-back, and you have three games in four nights. So it will start with tonight, and I did just read that Joel Embiid is questionable for tonight's game with a right ankle injury. So he may not play. We'll figure that out later on uh, today, and then we'll see how that turns out for them and for the Pelicans later on but you mentioned DeAndre Liggins was supposed to get that start on Wednesday and it's weird to hear you say rain out right. when basketball is played indoors with a roof right. on top of us I mean have you ever seen anything like that I know I've been in this league for seven years now and I had two cancellations when I was with the Orlando Magic but it was for different reasons I never had a rain out and a rain delay I thought I was going to get away from that by not working in baseball but the fact that we had that in basketball was ridiculous right no I've played basketball myself and never experienced (laughs) that it's kind of crazy obviously things just happen and you can't control what happens with the roof you know you we don't know until it happens Mm -hmm. unfortunately but that i'm sure they'll be more prepared next time and that won't happen but that was kind of bizarre especially considering like we spent so much time there thinking we were about to play and i mean the guys are ready to run out the tunnel i was right there watching them ready to catch them for social media and nope it was yep. like, oh, we're going to have a delay. And although fans were a little upset, you know, they will get their refund or get, right. be able to come to the game when it's rescheduled yep. and free parking. So for those that were worried about that, you know, we'll have that. But, yeah, it was a biz- it was bizarre for sure. You were used to that in, like, football. Not for us because we have the Superdome. No, yep. But, like, you know, some people outside, they play in that. And they would have just been like, let's go for it. But with injuries lately, especially right. – we do not want to risk anything. Nope. Safety first. So. Exactly. 31% injuries are up this year, so you, you don't want to risk that with someone slipping on the court or that catch basin falling. You don't right. know how that was going to hold up. So it was definitely the right call, um, but now the challenge of both the Pacers and the Pelicans finding a day for one Indiana to come back here right. and uh, for the Pelicans to find it in their home schedule it might be another back-to-back that they had to add it on to. But nonetheless, we will have another game between the Pacers and the Pelicans. Cindy will also talk to Joel Erickson of The Advocate. We'll talk some Saints here. I guess football season never ends. It, seems it never like. ends. I hate when people say it's over now. Back, like Football, basketball, all sports, really, it's almost a year-round thing. Right. There's always something going on with it. And since the Combine's right around the corner, then the NFL draft, and then OTAs and free agency, we figured we'll continue to talk some football here. So Joel Erickson, who covers the Saints, for the advocate, Cindy will talk to him later on in the show. I'll also talk to Jim Eikenoff of Pelicans.com, who was in Philly. They did survive the parades yesterday. It was actually pretty clear once they landed around 8 o'clock last night, so no worries there. We'll get a preview of Sixers and Pelicans, and we'll get you out of here and ready for the Mardi Gras weekend. So sit back, relax. If you all are recovering from last night, we'll try to t- keep it down for you guys. <laughs> When we come back, I'll talk with Jim Eikenoff for Pelicans.com, and it's Cindy Robinson with Joel Erickson. Stay with us. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top-quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe. Original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more. And always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. 
Now, Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. The Pelicans will take on the Philadelphia 76ers tonight in Philly. It's part of their Mardi Gras road trip. Joining us now from the city of brotherly love is Jim Eichenhofer, who I believe was, I saw on a parade float uh, as part of the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl parade. Jim, is that correct? Did I see you there yesterday on a parade route? <laughs> uh... I tried to sneak onto a couple, but they kept kicking me off. So, unfortunately, you may have seen the, the attempt, but I was not successful. Ah, so you pulled a Kevin Hart, and we're not, unable to get on top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't have VIP status. If he doesn't have it, then I definitely don't have it. So, so no, no luck for the, for me there. Ah, better luck next time, that's for sure. How how was it when you all? I know that was uh, part of the issue. I know you wrote about it the other day about landing uh, when the parade was happening. Everything okay when you guys were, were able to land and get to the hotel okay? Yeah, everything was clear. It was funny, just coincidentally, we when we were flying in, we flew right by the Eagles Stadium, and you could see the stadium all lit up and the signs that said Eagles champions, and they had a sign on the Philly Stadium as well congratulating the Eagles. So that was kind of cool to see. But, um, yeah, none of the problems that were um, possible or concerns really happened um, – by the time we got downtown to our hotel, it was pretty, the streets were all clear. I mean, there was a lot of litter and stuff like that on the on the roads. So you could tell there was tons of people that had been walking through the area, and I mean, it's not something that you can clean up in a couple hours. Um, but it was. But other than that, it was it was fine. It was also in the high 20s, so I'm sure a lot of people, once the parade had ended, instead of milling around and you know hanging out outside, they probably headed to some bars and some restaurants in the area. So it was actually, it was actually very quiet, much more quiet than maybe we thought it would be by the time we got to Philly. Sounds good. Do you know what wasn't quiet? It was the Cleveland Cavaliers yesterday as part of the trade deadline. We'll get to the Pelicans in a little bit, but Jim, six players leave the Cavaliers yesterday, four come, um, including Dwayne Wade going to Miami. What were your thoughts on the trade deadline yesterday um, as far as the Cavs are concerned? And then I guess overall. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like the Cavs have kind of taken – center stage on all not all coverage of the NBA but it seems like every show you turn on the last few weeks people have been talking about the Cavs nonstop as though there aren't 29 other teams in the league and it's funny it seemed like that was this understandably so yesterday that that was pretty much the they stole the show again as far as just dominating everything um the thing that I was the most surprised by was just I understand that they've had a ton of struggles this year and they've had chemistry issues but it's amazing to to, to look at, you don't make drastic changes like that unless you're completely fed up and have no confidence in the roster that you have. Because with only about 30 games left in the season, to have to bring in that many new guys, you have to have already decided that you have no shot to do anything with the group that you had. So to me, that was the most surprising thing is that now they're going to have to um, throw everything together and get everything together, get everyone on the same page, figure out roles, et cetera, et cetera, with 29 games left in the regular season, which is a huge challenge. I mean, we've seen how tough it can be for certain teams, not every team, but for certain teams to make a major change of like one player 
and it takes a little while to get everyone integrated and get the chemistry right. So, but I'm just, I'm fascinated to see like a team that makes that many major changes and gets rid of that many key guys to see how quickly they can, you know, be cohesive and, and how competitive they can be with the playoffs coming up in basically two months from now. Yeah, the Pelicans are dealing with just one or two guys that they acquired through the deadline, um, yet alone four that the Cleveland Cavaliers have to do. They basically have to do probably a mini camp in the All-Star break just to get mm-hmm. those guys acclimated. I do want to talk about the Pelicans real quick on the trade deadline. One trade for them yesterday, Dante Cunningham goes to the Brooklyn Nets, who we'll see on Saturday in exchange for Rashad Vaughn. Um, Alvin Gentry really didn't say a lot as far as what Rashad Vaughn's role will be with the team, if any. Sure. But as of now, uh, what should we know about Mr. Vaughn? Um, I liked him coming out of college. He went to UNLV. I thought he had a chance to be like a, a explosive scorer or somebody that could put up a lot of points in a short amount of time off the bench. Um, I remember watching him in summer league when he came out. Um, it just seems like he's never really been able to put it together. Now, whether that's because he hasn't gotten really a great opportunity to play or the reason that he hasn't gotten a great opportunity to play is because he's been inconsistent. I'm not quite sure, but um, I, that's kind of the player I look at him as is just somebody that you think can be dangerous from three point range, but also he doesn't do just that. He can do some other things on offense, but um, it's just a matter of whether he'll get a chance to show what he can do. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure um, if he, I'm not sure how great of a chance he, he's going to have to, be able to contribute or you know make an impact but I did hear last night that he's joining the team in in Philadelphia so I haven't seen him yet but I'm I'm pretty sure he's here somewhere and that I'm not sure if that means he'll be active tonight or not but he at least will have been with the team and be able to learn some learn some of the playbook and so on and so forth now the Pelicans haven't played in four days due to that wacky rain out we had on Wednesday night at the Smoothie King Center one have you ever seen anything like that in was it sort of a blessing in disguise for this chance that the Pelicans did add an extra p- practice, especially with Nikola Mirotic only playing two games? I know the Pelicans will have to make that up, and it might be tougher on the schedule later on down the road, but maybe can we look at it as a blessing in disguise? The Pelicans get a little bit more rest and also a couple more practice days as far as getting Mirotic, um, I guess, acquainted with the system? Yeah, it could be. I mean, it's kind of like not exactly the same, but it kind of feels a little bit like a – like a mini all-star break that they actually weren't supposed to practice on Thursday because they were supposed to have the game Wednesday. But I think because they didn't end up actually playing a basketball game Wednesday, they decided to have practice Thursday before um, we got to fill it. We headed to Philadelphia. So I definitely think it could be a positive. I mean, there's definitely something to be said for having a little bit more time to prepare. And also on Friday, they canceled shoot around, which you mentioned, you know, in terms of having more rest and, getting your legs under you, the fact that they haven't played a game since Monday, I mean, maybe that will be a positive. The stretch coming up in the next few days is pretty busy, obviously, because it's a three-game road trip in a span of four days. So I think that, I'm speculating here, but I think that might have been also part of the thought process of not having shoot-around today is just to get a little bit more rest because um, the next few days will be full of games other than Sunday will be an off day. What's the biggest thing the Pelicans need to correct right now, Jim? They're 1-4 since DeMarcus Cousins uh, ended his season with a torn Achilles. And again, we have to preface by saying that we know losing DeMarcus Cousins is huge, and you can't really replace him. But you have to try. Sure. And so what what is missing as far as these last five games where the Pelicans have gone 1-4? and four? 
I think the thing that has surprised me the most has been that the defense has been got, has gotten a lot worse. Um, they have it hasn't been a good defensive team throughout the course of the pretty much the entire season. They may have had some stretches or some games here and there where they were pretty good on defense, um, especially during the winning streak where they held a couple teams under 100 points. But um, that I mean to me that's number one on the list. Number that might be number one, two, and three on the list in terms of what what needs to happen to improve and get more wins is just the defense has been really poor. And um, I think that's I mean. That's, I think that's also part of the thought process of that they were expecting to move DeAndre Liggins into the starting lineup for Wednesday's game. Wednesday's game didn't happen, so now he's but he's still going to be in the starting lineup tonight, and um, I guess we'll see how that goes as far as maybe he'll be able to make an impact in the minutes that he plays in terms of stopping other guards and stopping penetration and stuff like that. Should be interesting. Let's talk about the road trip in general. The 76ers tonight, Brooklyn Nets on Saturday, and Monday against the Detroit Pistons. Obviously, we can. I'm going to plug this. Our road trip preview has more on all three teams. But, Jim, just uh, the Pelicans have had some success against the East this season, 14-6. and six. But I feel like, I don't know all games are important, but I feel like this is a pretty important road trip as far as either trying to go 2-1, and 3-0, just with how clumped everything is in the Western Conference standings, you could potentially be on the outside looking in uh, after Monday. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how, I'm not sure if I've seen this in a long time, where, um, and Elvin Gentry mentioned this a little bit last night, and it's even more true today, or he mentioned this after practice Thursday, is how there's so many teams that have exactly 25 losses. And I think with OKC losing last night, they also have 25 losses. So there's basically five teams that all have exactly 25 losses, I believe. So it's incredible how, how close the race is between five and nine. But in terms of the road trip, <clears throat> I mean, I'm looking at the Philadelphia game. This game tonight is really important because, I mean, not to say that if you win tonight, you're definitely going to beat Brooklyn. I mean, no matter what, even if no matter what happens, the Brooklyn game is not, not going to be easy. But, I mean, if you could win tonight and then you have a game against Brooklyn who's been struggling lately, even though people have respect for them as far as, how hard they play and stuff like that, but they're on a four-game losing streak. They'll be on a four-game losing streak going into the game against New Orleans. I mean, if you can pick up this win against the Sixers, you have a really good chance to hopefully at least go 2-1 and one on this road trip, like you said. And, um, I, I mean, I think based on the way things have been going, if you could go 2-1 and one on this road trip, regardless of how you do it, that would be a huge plus. And I think just the group of teams that they're near in the standings is so large that at some point some of these teams are going to be playing each other on the schedule. So you're automatic. If you can win some games, you're automatically going to gain ground on somebody. And that's really what they all, as far as getting into the playoffs, that's all they need to do right now is gain ground on or, or stay ahead of, you know, a couple, one or two of these teams in this big pack of, of, of squads that have a chance to make the playoffs. Should be a fun one tonight at the Wells Fargo center, six o'clock tip. I'll have more for you, more information on that. In our last segment, that's Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com in Philly. Jim, I know you're a Phillies fan, and, I, and I'm sure you're glad to be there. I'm sure at least that's the only time you're going to see a championship sign on the Philly stadium, the fact that it's another team, though. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to put oh. that out there. Oh. oh. I wanted to wait till the end of the interview so you didn't hang up on me. <laughs> well, I was going to – see, I thought where you were going, and, of course, I should have known better. I thought where you were going was that I was – I was gonna. Be, I was waiting for the Phillies championship parade, and that I was gonna make sure I'd be there for that. But of course, you had to go, go there. So, 2008 is not that long ago when they won the World Series. So, 
I just want to put say that for the record. Right, and and judging on my team, that the Atlanta Braves '95, I probably should just end this interview right about now. But if you are <laughs> going to wait for the Phillies parade, um, you'll go be there a while. So you might want to, you might want to just post up. Yeah, there. It's, yeah, it's been a several years of rebuilding that, but I think the light is going to be at the end of the tunnel sometime soon, hopefully. Hey, you gotta trust the process, Jim. All right. <laughs> exactly. Jim Vikenhofer from Pelicans.com. We'll talk to him later on throughout the week. Up next, we'll turn our attention to St. Cindy Robinson Talks with Joel Erickson. Stay with us. What is Squad 6? Squad 6 is every six-man, woman, and child who comes up clutch every time when the game is on the line. They are our full-season ticket holders, an extension of our players, on the court, offering support from the tip-off to the final buzzer. Our full-season ticket holders are more than fans in the stands. They keep the team in flight all day and all night. They are part of the team, and we treat them right. Day in and day out, they give us their all, so we give them ours, on and off the court. Squad 6 members fly first class, no questions asked. Only the most dedicated, most celebrated, never decimated fans can call themselves Squad 6 members. Can you? To get off the bench and join Squad 6, visit pelicans.com or call 504-525-HOOP. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the show. We are now joined by Joel Erickson, the Saints beat writer for The Advocate. Thanks for joining us, Joel. No problem, Cindy. So, Joel, football is officially, officially over now as far as the season goes. But let's be real, football is never over, right? Right, right. (laughs) Okay, so you were at the Super Bowl. I have to ask, how was it? How was the cold and how was Minnesota as a host? Well, I'm I'm from up there. I'm from uh, uh, Wisconsin, just about two hours east of Minneapolis. So I'm I'm still kind of used to the cold. Um, it was a little bit of a different setup. You're kind of used to being downtown uh, in whatever the Super Bowl city is, but because everything for the media was out at Mall of America, uh, I don't I don't really feel like I spent any, really much of any time uh downtown so it was a little bit of a a a little bit different than normal you kind of get used to getting to spend a lot of time in in the city's heart and you're kind of you're kind of out flip side of that is um it made it a lot easier to get to stuff for us because everything was right there at the mall you know anything anytime to make things easier that's better right because who wants to be in traffic and all this chaos right (laughs) Yeah, well, and and the big thing is you get a, you get a better chance to talk to a lot of people because you don't have to worry about being on a bus for an hour going out to, to going out to one of the Super Bowl teams practices and missing, you know, maybe missing a, a Saints player or something going on Radio Row. So that that was helpful. Right. Did you catch up with any of the Saints players while you were there? I did. I did. I talked to Cam and Alvin and uh, Marshawn and Mark. Um, you know, it, it was interesting. This is. One thing that was really interesting about the Super Bowl this year was that um, the last couple of years, really, it's been uh, Drew and Cam kind of making the rounds. But this year, it felt like there were Saints everywhere, uh, especially as the week 
as the week went along, which I guess is I guess that's just the product of of a playoff uh, a playoff appearance. But the other thing that was cool was just to hear how uh, you know some of these guys had had got had rented a house together to stay in during the week and uh, done stuff like that, and were were you know kind of continuing the close bond they'd had in the season. That's good, and it definitely should translate over into next season, right? Yeah, yeah, I would think so. You know, they it's one of the hard things to put your finger on it is togetherness. A lot of teams say they're together and you you have a trouble trying to figure out, you know, what what level that means. And these these Saints kind of said that they felt like this team was closer than than a lot of than a lot of teams and you start to see it here in the off season with all these guys at the Pro Bowl together and all, all these guys at the uh at the Super Bowl together. And, and really it it matters to these players, and it matters to them for for uh, going through the season. And it's going to matter, you know, especially for this core of the, the, these core of Pro Bowlers are the guys who kind of who kind of end up setting the tone for the team uh, on the field. And so it's good for them all to be on the same page. Right now, we're going into a critical time of off season, uh, combine, pro days, and NFL draft. Getting ready to add to that brotherhood. What do you – well, let's talk about free agency more so, too. Is there anyone that you think the Saints should be keeping an eye out for, a certain position, a certain player that might fit into this brotherhood? Um. Well, I always hesitate uh, to uh, to pick out certain players until after we uh, – until after we get through all this period with, with guys re-signing. Because mm-hmm. uh, if there's one thing I've learned about free agency over the years, it's that a lot of guys who seem like they're about to hit free agency are going to get – uh, brought back by the teams they're on now, and they won't ever hit the market. Um, but I, I, I think that there's obviously I, the, the Saints have, especially over the last couple of years, have done a good job of filling needs and, fi- and finding people um, before uh, before they get to the draft. So they don't have glaring needs when they get to the draft. I think a couple obvious, but obviously two to watch for the Saints, um, or three to watch for the Saints is what they do with. Um, Drew Brees and Alex Okafor, and I think Kenny Vaccaro is the other one that, that that goes in that mix. Those are guys that the Saints could choose to make sure they never hit the market by uh, re-signing them early. Um, Drew and and Mickey Loomis and, and the rest of the Saints, basically everybody involved with the Saints uh, and with that situation, has said that they want Drew back and Drew wants to be back. So it's just a matter of finding the right uh, dollars. Alex is coming off of an Achilles injury, but he said he wants to be back. And um, and Kenny, the question is, you know, what what does his market look like? He's he's a guy who might be at the top of the of the market for for the safeties, and you don't know uh, what happens if somebody with a lot of cap space wants to pay him a ton. Right, and I mean, considering the way the draft is set up for us this year, I mean, we've had a pretty good draft last year. I would say that class did pretty well this year. But moving forward into this draft, we don't really have as many picks, and we're picking kind of late in the first. So free agency is probably bigger than a bigger deal than in the past, maybe. Yeah, well, it's, it's very yeah, it's a very different draft. Um, same same number of picks, but not just later in the first, but kind of later in the whole draft overall. Um, you know, picking at the end of rounds, a lot of picks in the on the last day of the draft as opposed to the first two days. Uh, the way they've had the last couple of years, which means generally that means um, not to say you can't get guys who can have immediate impact at the later rounds. You can, but it's easier to find them in the first couple of rounds. So 
this might be more this might end up being more of a depth draft than one where you're bringing in um you know four or five guys who can start like last year's incredible draft class so uh you're right free agency might be a little more important in terms of those frontline guys and filling those frontline spots just because uh you you don't necessarily have as much capital to go get players the way you the way the Saints did this year um of course obviously no, the Saints don't have a second-round pick, but I don't think anybody would want that back since that's what, that's what it took to get Alvin Kamara. Right. <laughs> I don't think anyone's complaining about that one. Do you mm-hmm. think that because they had such a great draft class last year that, you know, this one – not that it's not as important because obviously it's always important, but, like, we have so many people returning because the team is so young. Is that going to be beneficial next year? Yeah, absolutely. It means it means that there's a, a better chance of keeping most of the core together. Uh, other than the three guys I mentioned earlier, there's not a ton of um, there's not a ton of, of, of high profile free agents in the group. There's some there's there's some guys who are very uh, you know one guy who's very very important to the team and could get offered a starter's role elsewhere. Estadio Calamete, he'd be a guy that'd be tough to tough to replace, but it, it's more guys like that. It's more guys, it's, you know, they don't have um, a ton of frontline guys outside of Breeze and, and Vaccaro who are or hitting the market all at the same time, which sometimes happens with these good seasons. So uh, the good news is whatever happens, most of the core of what, what happened this year will be back. And now the, the, the key is to try to add to that and, and complement those guys. Right. Now, this season was a whirlwind, whirlwind for the Saints, and a lot of the team is so young and hungry, but we know how things can change from year to year. So what is going to help this team recreate a successful season? Well, I think uh, I think uh, one of the keys is going to be uh, they, they've got to get better on uh, – they've got to get better on third down. I think that was one of the things that uh, – um, was a real weakness for the Saints this year, uh, and maybe that means they make a move at tight end. Maybe that means they make a move at receiver. Um, you just don't know. But it was it was a spot that it was a spot that really kind of plagued the Saints' offense all season, and it never has before. So it's, it's a area that I, I would I would expect the Saints to address on offense. Um, I would say that you do whatever you can, um, you know. You do whatever you can help-wise make sure the running game is still going good. Uh, I could see the Saints maybe in a late-round pick in the draft adding um, not not somebody who's obviously going to take any carries away from Mark Ingram and Alan Kamara, but somebody who could back up in case one of those guys gets hurt. Um, and then on defense, I think I think on defense there's there's that defensive end position with Okafor coming off of an Achilles injury. Um, you know that's that's the spot opposite Cam Jordan that I could, I could see them addressing. I could see them uh, maybe getting another player at nose tackle. The run defense had problems all season long, and I think that you know a real true space eater in there who can get the linebackers some more room to to operate would be a big deal. And I think the other big thing is you know what what happens with Kenny. Um, you know Kenny Vaccaro was a slot corner before he went on, in addition to safety before he went on injured reserve. If he leaves. Uh, that's a spot that's going to have to be filled, not just by Von Bell, but by somebody else, too. Well, Joel, thank you so much for joining us. We will be seeing you around OTAs, I'm sure. Yep, yep, I'll be up there. Okay, thank you so much.
um, Daniel, back to you. Thank you very much, Cindy. All right, that will do it for today's show. Big thanks to Cindy Robinson, Joel Erickson, and Jim Eichenhofer. Pelicans and Sixers tonight from the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'll have Pelicans warm up starting at 5.30 with tip-off set for 6. Sean Kelly and John DeShazer have the call on the Pelicans radio network. News Talk 99.5 WRNO. Joel Myers, David Wesley, and Jen Hale will have the call on Fox Sports New Orleans. Then it's Pelicans at Nets tomorrow at 5 o'clock Central with pregame starting at 4.30. Then the Pelicans will wrap up the road trip on Monday against the Detroit Pistons with tip-off set for 6 o'clock. No Black and Blue Report on Monday as we'll be celebrating the Mardi Gras season and Lundi Gras. We'll be back on Wednesday, Valentine's Day, as the Pelicans will prepare for their last game before the All-Star break as they welcome in the Los Angeles Lakers. I hope everyone has a safe and happy Mardi Gras weekend. Stay dry. No drinking and driving. Enjoy all the parades. Hopefully we'll be talking about a lot of Pelicans wins come next Wednesday, and we hope you can join us throughout the broadcast all weekend long. Put it out on the parade route. Put the radio on, put the television or your mobile app, and that way you can watch or listen to the Pels as the parades roll through your area. For Cindy, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report.